We're going to look at John chapter 4 for just a brief moment here. John chapter 4, beginning with the 23rd verse. But as we consider that, um, you have to ask yourself, what is worship? And I want to give you a quote on worship from Paul Tripp. And uh, it's a, a quote that I really, I think, encapsulates and helps us to understand what worship is supposed to be, particularly when we talk about corporate worship. Corporate worship is a regular, gracious reminder that it's not about you. So many times we come to church and we're thinking, eh, I don't really like that song. Didn't get much of it. Oh, they're not. That, that, you know, I didn't like that girl's voice. I didn't like that guy's voice. That preacher, he's not that good. I don't think I got much. That's a completely flawed approach because worship is not about what you get. It's about what you give. That's the whole point that we come together to offer a praise and worship, to offer ourselves to God. That's what worship is. It's you giving. It's not you getting. In our narcissistic Western culture today, somehow we manage to even make worship about us. When in reality, we come together to be reminded this is not about us, it's about Him. You've been born into a life that is the celebration of another. It's the celebration of God Almighty. It's the celebration of the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. That's what worship is. Now, the definition from a biblical perspective of worship is this. Praise that is expressed because of something's worth, magnificent, and or joy. Praise that is expressed because of something's worth or magnificence. That's why we said earlier, some people, they will worship football today. They'll worship the Denver Broncos or they'll worship Peyton Manning or whatever because that's what they're going to most highly esteem and value. Whatever you value most in life is what you worship. We're all worshiping something. Every song that is sung is a song about worship. It doesn't have to be a Christian tune. I can turn on the radio and there's going to be a there's going to be a song about worship. There's going to be somebody that's talking about the worship of sex. Somebody's talking about the worship of romance, of a man, of a woman, of beer, or whatever it is. Somebody's written this song about, this is what I highly value and esteem. Worship. Worship. There's a word in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Matter of fact, it's a transliteration of the actual Hebrew word, but it's used frequently throughout the test, Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms, and it's called Hallelujah. Matter of fact, Michael used that in one of the songs that he sung earlier. Hallelujah. And that Hallelujah, what does that mean? That means praise, to give praise. Yah is Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. This was a call to worship. When you would hear that word Hallelujah, it meant come church, let's praise, let's worship, let's give glory, let's give praise. And that's what we're going to see in Psalm 95 in just a few moments. But as we see right here in John chapter 4, uh, beginning with the 23rd verse, Jesus has been talking to a woman uh, by himself, which he shouldn't have done according to the customs of that day. And he's talking to someone who's not a Jew, someone who's had five husbands, someone who's living with a man now, and they start conversing, and she asks a question about worship. And this is how it goes. When Jesus responds to her, he says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit, just to kind of 
put it in our vernacular today, in spirit with heart and passion and truth, with our minds. He says, look, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah you've been anticipating. I am the object of your worship. You are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus, or we see the Bible talks about ways that are not worship, things that people go through that they think might be worship. And in Isaiah chapter 1 and in the, the, the chapters following it, God talks about, hey, look, these people, they're not worshiping. They're, they're far from me. They're, they're people of unclean lips. Uh, their ways and their thoughts and their hearts are far removed from me. So I'm not accepting what they call worship right now because their heart is not in it. Jesus also talks about this in Matthew chapter 15 when some of the Pharisees and the religious leaders start to chastise some of the disciples because they did not go through the ritual of washing your hands. Now, it wasn't because they were getting cleaned up for supper. It was a ritual. They said, you didn't do that ritual. So it's not, you're not really worshiping. You can't really say that you're worshiping. And Jesus lets them know that it's not about simply going through an act of tradition. It's not about going through the motions. It's about loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. There was a study done in Great Britain uh, last year, and they went around from house to house, and they did this study, and they were asking about God and your concept of God, and they were asked this question. They go, um, what do you believe about God? Do you believe in a God who, um, who is able to impact your life, who's able to do miracles, who is able to redeem things in your life? And the majority of people, well over 50, 55% of the people said, no, I don't believe in that God. And this was the term that was used. I just believe in the ordinary God. The ordinary God. You know, the God who started things but really doesn't have a lot to do with things right now. The, the ordinary God. And if that's how we feel, then we will never bring worship. If you see him only as the ordinary God. But in truth, he's not the ordinary God. He is the God of the universe, the creator of all things. And we are to worship him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And Jesus said we will worship in spirit and truth. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said to worship with your heart, soul, and mind and all of your strength. With our heart, with our emotions. There's nothing wrong with worshiping with your emotions. The problem is when our worship strictly becomes emotional. For some, it becomes that. It's all about what I feel. It's all about what I think, think is going on over there. It's all about the music. But you know what? Sometimes when we really worship, it'll move us to tears. Sometimes we'll smile. Sometimes we'll raise our hand. Sometimes we'll bow our head. Sometimes we'll bow our knee to worship with our heart, to worship with our body. It's a reflection of what's going on in our heart. You may say, but you know, I think it's hypocritical for me to worship when I don't feel like it. Well, that's a ridiculous statement, okay? Remember, it's not about you. It's about him. And we do it because it's true, and it's in the act of worship that worship really starts to transpire. In other words, uh, you don't say, you know, I'd be a hypocrite if I ate anything that was healthy for me. I don't do vegetables. I don't do water because I don't want it. And so I don't want to be a hypocrite. 
I would, I'd be a hypocrite of our exercise because I really don't like it. So I don't want to be a hypocrite and actually do it. Hey, you were created to worship. And to not worship means you will never know the ultimate purpose that you exist upon this earth. I'm not talking just about singing. I'm talking about loving God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. With your soul that you submit to the Word of God. And you go, God, you are worthy. You are worthy of all my praise. You are worthy of all the glory I can give. And Lord, I submit to you. I bow before you. I submit to you. Lord, I want to love you with my mind. I want to listen. I want to hear your word. I want to have it engrafted within my spirit. I want to love you with my heart, with my soul, and with my mind. We're going to have a time of communion. And as we do this, I want you to prepare your heart to receive from the Lord. And you're going to see in a few moments that any time that we come before the Lord and worship... There's always, always to be a time of praise, of a confession, of recognition. And I want you to do that for just a moment. I want you to prepare your heart to receive from the table of the Lord, to receive the bread and the cup. I want you to think about and consider what Christ did for you as he lived the life that you should have lived and died the death that you should have died Would you stop and be still? There's something you need to confess or repent of. I invite you to do that. Put yourself in a posture of worship and submission. Ask God to expose anything in your heart that you need to make right. And prepare to receive from the table of the Lord. Not because you're worthy, but because He is worthy. Not because you've earned it or deserved it but because by grace you have been saved through faith. It is nothing of your effort. It is a complete gift of God. Would you consider that and give him praise? Amen. In Psalm 95, if you have your Bibles, you want to look at this. I want to briefly tell you how Jesus was taught to worship. This is a song of Hillel. And this is what Jesus would have been taught as he was headed to worship. He would prepare his heart. He would have been singing these psalms. And you'll see that these components are always found in worship. Praise, confession, submission, and the hearing of the word. And then our response to it. Praise, confession, submission, and the hearing of the word. In Psalm 95, uh, the Bible says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. You see the praise that is extended. As he said, the the psalmist probably would have said, Hallelujah, come, let's begin to praise God. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. We see the praise that is expected, the praise that is required of worship. And then we see right here a confession, confessional statements of who God is. As we confess, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry lands. In ancient times, many cultures believed that the tops of the mountains and that the seas were controlled by deities And some would even worship those deities. 
But the psalmist let us know, lets us know right here a confession that God, Yahweh, is the creator of all things. He is the God of the mountains. He's the God of the oceans. He's the God of all things. And he confesses this. And then as we continue in this, we see the spirit of submission. And the Bible says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. It's a picture of the posture of the heart. Whenever you would go before a king, you would bow down. You're bowing down. You're recognizing who it is and the magnificence of who he is. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For what? He is our God. This confession for he is our God. And we see right here that that's why we submit. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, if you hear his word, and then he calls for a response, a response. That right there is what we are to do in worship. We are to praise. We are to confess. We are to submit. And as we hear the word, we respond. Why are we to worship? Well, this psalm also tells us why we are to worship. We are to worship Why? Because he, the Lord, is great. For he, in verse 3, for the Lord is great. For he is our maker. He is our creator. For he is our God, in verse 7. And we are his people. And how are we to worship? The greatest commandment, Jesus said, was to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. We see in this chapter the heart of worship in the first two verses, worshiping with your heart. We see in the third through fifth verse, worshiping with our mind as we acknowledge who God is, as we acknowledge what we believe about him, and worshiping with our body and soul as we kneel before him, as we take that posture in our body that reflects what we feel in our heart. You know, many of you, men, when you proposed to your wife, uh, many of you did something like this. You got down on one knee and you said, will you marry me? Now, why did you do that? As a sign of respect, as a sign of honor. I bet you none of you were sitting in a lazy boy recliner or sitting back in your chair, will you marry me? And got a good response anyway. <laughs> Why? Because when we sit back, that's not a posture of honor. That's not a posture of praise. It's a, it's a posture of, it's all about me. That's why when we come to worship, sometimes we stand. Sometimes you should kneel. Sometimes pray. Sometimes people raise their hand, which, by the way, is very biblical in this passage. Uh, I, I know a lot of you weren't raised for that, but it's a picture of God, here's my life. I offer to you, Lord, I praise you, I worship you, this is my life. Sometimes it was shouting, sometimes it was clapping. You know, I, I, I love it. Sometimes it's, it's very pensive. Sometimes, like in, in this service, we're still and then we know that he is God. And we bow our heads and we close our eyes. And it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of honor and worship to God Almighty. The question is not, do we go through each of those items? The question is, do we stop to worship? Or is it still about us? Eh, I don't like that song. 
I don't really like hymns. I don't like violins. I don't like a, I'm more of a piano person. I never heard that song. And we wonder why we don't worship. You know, I don't feel it. God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth and not just how we feel, not just what we want, where we say, God, it's not about you today. It's all about you. It's not about me, excuse me. It's all about you. And I humble myself. You know my heart. You know the sin of my heart, but I believe that you are God. And though I don't feel it right now, Lord, I'm going to worship because you deserve it. You deserve the praise and the glory because of who you are. And so I choose to worship you. David Wallace, an award-winning author and writer, says this. He says, you know, there's something that's true about life. In this day-to-day trenches in my adult life, I've learned that there's no such thing as atheism. Everybody worships something. Everybody believes in something. The only choice we get is what we will worship. And pretty much anything you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you are and what you're after, then you'll never have enough. If you worship your body and your beauty and your sexual allure, there'll be the day that you start to feel ugly. And when time starts starts coming down on you, there'll be nothing you can do about it. And you'll die a million deaths before you finally stop. If you worship power, you will always feel weak and afraid when you're not in control. And then you'll seek even more power to compensate. If you worship your intellect and being seen as smart when you're in areas or uh, different parts of the field where you don't know something, you'll feel incredibly stupid and you won't be able to handle it. That's why it's important that we recognize the purpose that we were created was to bring God worship and praise and glory And when we come to that place, and when we begin to worship, it begins to transform our heart. And the purpose for which we were created, we start to get just a hint. We start to just get the glow. Not the feeling, not the quality of the music or the quality of the teaching, but the awesomeness of God. I want to invite you this morning to just stop and to be still and to worship within your spirit for just a moment in silence. And in just a moment, we're going to come and receive an offering and do those kinds of things, but I want you to just stop and be still and know that he is God. I want to invite you to consider a couple of things. Number one, as we talk about worship, Part of worship is what we do with our lives. It's the prayers that we pray. It's the service that we give. It's the words that we speak. And is there someone in your life that God has burdened your heart to pray for that needs to know to Christ? Maybe somebody came to Christ this year and you want to celebrate. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and light a red candle. If there's somebody that you're praying for daily, I'm not talking about every once in a while, I'm talking about just when it hits you, just when somebody says, I'm talking about daily. You're praying that this person would know the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that they would become believers in Christ. Then I'm going to invite you to come and just light a red candle 
as a picture of that commitment that you're praying and that you will do all that you can to see them understand the grace of God and his love and his grace for them. So in a moment, if you're, there's someone you're praying for, then I ask you to come and just sign, uh, just light that red candle as a picture that I commit daily to pray for the salvation of this person in my life. And I will do it until they come to know Christ as their Lord. Maybe some of you are here and you would say, you know, there are some things I feel like God is leading me to do. Are there some things that God is leading me to release? And I haven't been able to do it, but I want a covenant with God that today is the day. I will take the step that he has led me to take. Maybe that's you're going to uh, begin to say, you know what, God, I want, I want to grow in my faith. And so today I covenant to do that. I'm going to sign up for a class. I'm going to sign up to be discipled. I will do that. Maybe God is leading you to say, I, Lord, I want to give myself. I know you're calling me to pray for my family, my loved ones. There are people in my community. God, I'm going to make a commitment to covenant, to pray daily and to do everything I can. Maybe there's someone in your life that God has called you to minister to. Maybe there's some service that he's leading to. Maybe, uh, maybe it's for healing. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm coming in to pray daily to see you redeem these things that you've given me influence over in my life. And I commit to do all that I can and to pray daily, God, until you redeem it, until you do it. I covenant, I commit with you. This is a picture of my commitment. God, I want to work in concert with what you're doing. I want to pray and seek your heart. And I covenant to do that today.